Hello again, and welcome back to the Confidence Covered by Humility podcast, where we explore together what it means to lead our businesses, our teams, and our homes with humble confidence. I'm James, and I'm your host, and I'm happy that you're here uh, with us again today because today is a guest day, and I always enjoy guest days because it's a chance to learn about somebody uh, and, I, and I've got somebody I think that's going to be a lot of fun to, to just have a great conversation with today. Um, here's the thing is when you meet somebody new for the first time, you just never know what you're going to get out of them. You, 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 you never know because you, you, you have maybe a reference based on an introduction or a, re- a referral. But, but when you meet them for the first time, there was always an element of kind of a surprise. And that was really what I found with Alicia. Um, we actually engaged in doing strengths finder coaching with her through her um, through her work, and that happens to be one of my clients. And so, when you look at strengths finder, you just get this picture of of somebody. So you see them in, in these God given talents that they have, and yet it doesn't necessarily reveal like their energy or their depth or what they're passionate about. And Alicia ended up dropping a phrase, which I'm not going to say right now because that's I wanted to come later, right? But it, she she said this phrase that I just thought was like, whoa, that's really cool. And she started to tell me about the origin of that. So we're going to get into that story today. Uh, but she's an incredibly talented communicator. I think you're going to really enjoy her personality and her just her style and her energy. So Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, James. I'm so excited to be here. I uh, have really enjoyed working with you. So this is going to be a great time for us today. Oh, likewise. I, I just I, I just totally enjoy being around you. So well, give us a little snapshot of what's going on in your life. Like, talk a little yeah. bit about what you're doing at work and some of the things that you're excited about. Yeah. So, you know, work-wise, my background is in quality management systems. And so that's how you and I met, right? Um, I work with uh, MDO. We help children all around the world walk, right? I mean, how can I not absolutely love going to work every day? And um, right now we have some really incredible things that are going on and we're going to be bringing some great new things to market and it's just going to be super fun for everybody. Um, In uh, in addition to that, uh, my husband and I have a nonprofit that supports children who are dealing with chronic and acute kidney disease. It's named after my son, Tripp, who passed away about 11 years ago. Um, And uh, we partner strongly with University of Iowa hospitals and clinics in order to be able to help children and families live their best lives as they define it as they're moving through that journey. Um, In addition to all of those kinds of fun things, I'm a mom of two and um, just finished an MBA through Iowa and am really looking forward to putting all of those fun things to use. You're the consummate doer, achiever, learner, like just just really high, highly powered. Yeah, I, I get to teach Lean and Six Sigma in healthcare at the university as well. And um, <laughs> you, uh, all of these things, right? It just get up in the morning and love life and, and get out there and make things happen. So it's been a uh, great change for me. I've only been with MDO for about three months, um, been teaching for about three years and love doing that. And we've had Trip Foundation since uh, 2010. So, so yeah, I would actually like stuff. to, I would like to stay there a little bit about the yeah. Trip Foundation. So yeah, yeah. just, just let's, let's talk about that. And because I think that's probably going to be something that could be really appealing for people to know and, mm-hmm. and potentially want to support and get behind. So yeah. just, I, I was, I was unaware or, or just, Maybe I didn't remember that that you've had it for as long as you've had. So you know, yeah. tell us about that. 
Yeah. So uh, October 28th of 2010, my son went in for his kidney transplant. I was able to be his donor. And um, during his month-long admission, because for us, things just never quite went the way that they were supposed to, um, we started moving through the process of opening up our nonprofit organization and moving through all of the channels, you know, through the Secretary of State, through... And then, you know, long story, much shorter than the work that was put into it by our incredible board, um, we received our tax exemption status uh, in October, no, sorry, in March of 2013. So, you know, in the midst of all of that, having twin boys, uh, my son Rowdy and my son Tripp, and Tripp uh, having significant medical uh, concerns and chronic illness and still doing our best because what we realized early on is that my background at that time in social services, you know, led me to a place of of being able to come to the table and wanting to be that positive team member with with our healthcare team, but not knowing how to do that. Right? They don't teach us that stuff, and so uh, we wanted to be able to help others collapse that time frame and help support them in ways that uh, everybody tried to offer for us, uh, but we had to kind of piece together for ourselves. And so we do, uh, there's really nothing off the table for us, right? Everything from crisis planning, financial assistance, support groups, which we've kind of had to pull back with the pandemic and the nature of the risk for our kiddos. But um, what is needed in order for those families is what we bring forth and have discussions on and determine as a board of how we can best support them in that. That sounds pretty amazing. Now, can can you give me a scope of, of where you serve, how far that reaches, things like that? So we are primarily within the state of Iowa, but ultimately um, we're a, a public nonprofit. So we really don't have limitations uh, outside of that, which we have to be cognizant of in our decision making because of being a small organization. Right. So our primary partner and where a vast majority of our partnership and referrals come from is through University of Iowa Pediatric Nephrology Dialysis and Transplant. So uh, a very, very, very large portion of our uh, service goes to patients that are served by, by that amazing group of physicians and caretakers. You mentioned some of the ways that your, your nonprofit serves. Can you give any, um, you know, with protect, protecting, you know, confidentiality, but can you give some examples? Is there a story that comes to mind that, that you know, can give us a picture of, of some of the ways that you've helped these families? Yeah. So one of my favorite people to talk about uh, happens to, to actually end up becoming a one of my best friends in the world. Um, we met during our transplant admission at Ronald McDonald House and uh, her son was there with transplant at the same time that we were. Um, she since has become an advocate and a massive participant within the work that we do. Uh, but their family has had a long road and their son just recently graduated and is doing amazing things. And, um, you know, our effort with them has been everything in our partnership with how we have supported others together to just even being able to call each other on those rough days and say, wow, this just didn't go well. And we are really in the thick of it right now. And um, we're scared, right? We're scared and we don't know how we're going to do it. And you know, being able to offer those breaks and coming and hanging out with him in the in the hospital to to even be able to let people get a shower sometimes is is a big doggone deal. And so, 
um, you know, without getting too far into the weeds with their family and their situation, um, I think uh, they have, have hopefully, I, I believe she would say that they have benefited, but in turn, they have also given back far more than we could ever have given to them. Yeah. I'm sure you could you could um, talk for hours on, on these oh, yeah. stories. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, just I want to congratulate you on on turning you know that tragic you know moment for you that loss for you into something um, beautiful that that is helping others. So that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. Thank you. Well, so you you shared a phrase with me so we were going through your strengths finder assessment and you have got a really high powered top five now we we've got all 34 of them mapped out for you here we, we you would took the full assessment uh but what your your number one is achiever number two is learner number three is woo and that for people who don't know what woo is that just means that you like to win others over you're a great relationship builder and connector but number four you have self-assurance number five strategic and then from there, your your other six through ten are pretty powerful strengths as well. And I just this is the one thing that I love about doing strengths finders. It just shows the beauty in the design behind who you are. And during number four, we were talking about self assurance. And self assurance for for again for people who are unfamiliar with this as a talent, a strength, um, self assurance can actually be a bit of a of a. Um, a dangerous strength at times. It's easy to misuse self-assurance. And since this is the Confidence Covered by Humility podcast, one of the things that that I know is a blind spot or a, a way that we misuse self-assurance is that we don't cover our assurance, our confidence in ourselves with enough humility. And so it means we don't always ask for help. You know, we're, we're not open to suggestions and ideas. Um, we tell people, Hey, we've got this. And, and that can be a really dangerous spot, especially if you are struggling at some point and you really could use some of that, I don't know, confidence from somebody else or just that ear to listen to some compassion, help, whatever it might be. If we have taught people that that's not, you know, I don't need those things. They don't offer it. And, and then we can feel really lonely and isolated. And I'm speaking about this because this is also my number three and I remember sharing that with you, Alicia, that I, yep. you know, we share that. And those are, those are things that, that I know that I've had to work through as well as others. But here's, here's what really got interesting for me is I've got a whole paragraph highlighted here that you were telling me about. Here's the paragraph. It says, instinctively, you might describe the good life as taking the dare, walking to the edge, running toward the unknown, or working high in the air without a net to stop your fall. Perhaps you enjoy the rush of adrenaline that accompanies risky deeds or decisions. I highlighted that, and I just thought that was one of the coolest phrases. My self-assurance doesn't say that. And I thought, man, that is so such a, a powerful way to live, such a cool statement. And, and so I'm just going to toss it back to you now. And, and there's a phrase that I wrote in my notes here, and I said, we need to podcast about that. So... What is yeah, it? I, I thought conversation was so much fun. Yeah. So I think even before we get to that, I want to highlight something because I do think it's very, very important in our conversation is that the other thing that we talked about is that for me, I believe self-assurance is is a wrong label, right? My confidence or assurance does not come from the self. 
we talked about this, right? This is Good. for me, it, it's a confidence in, in the Lord and the higher power. Right. Um, there's power within the dynamic of surrender, right? My life is not my own. And, and in recognizing that, I had spent a long time trying to figure out, right, in these moments where I do public speaking or in these moments where I was just nervous or in the, right, the times that the burden was heavy on the shoulders and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get through it. I was attempting to find a way to surrender this, to bring it forth, to to figure it out. And I found myself rambling. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the person I want to be, right? Even in prayer, I don't want to be that rambling moron that, you know, we have to weed through everything to be able to figure out what she's trying to talk about here. And uh, I'm driving in my car and I was getting ready to give a a, a large um, talk on uh, just really my story and my son and things like that. And and the song by Toby Mac came on, Steal My Show. And it was like that aha. It was just this massive aha moment for me. I'm like, that's it. That's that's the phrase. That's the prayer. That's it, right? My life is not my own. I have no idea what every person needs to hear in this moment, at this time, from from this speech, this opportunity, right? I have no idea. And I, you come to it prepared, right? We all show up. Because that's the first part. You got to show up and be there, be present, right? Um, but then I don't know where it's going to go. And I'm driving and it's, it hits me and I'm like, steal my show. And so ever since, I, I don't know, I can't even tell you how long ago that's been. But ever since that, right, that's it. That's the prayer for me is I'm going to show up. I come prepared. I'm ready. Um, but you take this where it needs to go. You know what people need. You know what they're supposed to walk away from today. And I'm willing, right? I'm a vessel. I'm willing. I'm here. And uh, take it away, right? Make it happen. You hit on a lot of really great points there. First of all, it's it's like having that confidence, that courage, that belief to show up. I mean, there's before you can speak, you have to at least believe in that part, right? I mean, how yes. how did that work for you? I, I, I know you have, again, you have God-given talent to be able to do that. But at the same time, you had this revelation of, I could go up there and I could I could vomit words all over, you know, everybody. And what a gross way to say that. But I think there are times that we do that. I've caught myself doing that. I've caught other people doing that. We, we've all experienced that. So to take that posture of humility in that case to say, listen, what do they need to like help guide me on that? Can you can you bring some more insight and color into that? Yeah. So, you know, two things that people are the, at the highest of fear, right? One, death. And even more scary for most of us than that is public speaking. <laughs> That's so true. Right? Well, and James, you and I, when we met, we talked a little bit about this, right? I've done both. Um, in 2004, I went 10 days with a ruptured appendix. And almost lost my life, right? I was hospitalized for two months. Um, you know, when you've come up against that and then you turn around and you recognize in those times afterwards, right, you hear people that'll kind of waller in that and it's like the why me, but it's that more of that sad brokenness, right? For me, it was why me, right? There's a reason. I, I truly believe there's a reason that you still want me here, that you still need me to show up every day. So take that, right? Take me where I'm supposed to go. And that kind of paved that way. And, and before that event, right, I would say I was on the other cusp of that self-assurance, 
right? I was very strong to the point that I would, I was um, so intense that people struggled with what to do with that sometimes. And so having that moment and the recognition when you're up against your own, the loss of your own life and saying, man, I don't have it figured out. I don't know if I'm ever going to have it figured out, um, but I have to surrender in this, right? The people that had helped me before, the dependence that I had on my own skills and abilities and knowledge, none of that could do anything for me. So I had to come to a place of true and complete surrender. And that was huge, huge for me. So that just kind of carried over and carried into the way I live today, right? So what you had read in my strengths binder is about, it's about that, right? Leave it on the court. Whatever, whatever sports analogy you want, to lo- you want to use here, right? Show up, give your 110, put it out there. There's a level of vulnerability in that. Be okay with it, right? Be okay with it. And that's, that's the root of what some of this is about. I believe that I'm supposed to be here. I believe that there is an intention and a purpose behind that. I can't define that myself, (sighs) but I can be present and I can do my best to shut up long enough and listen, right? And do what is being asked and see where it takes me. You use two words that I think a lot of people who have that level of intensity that you're talking about, that that level of, uh, you know, Hey, I, I'm going to make it through this. This again, that self-assurance, vulnerability, and surrender. Those don't sound like words that that are really all that motivating because that means we have to diminish. We have to take the back yeah. seat. What was yeah. that journey like for you during surrender? I mean, was it easy, or was it and obvious and clear, or was did you fight it? Oh, um, it, it was not obvious and clear. Um, one right going through that, the intensity of pain. Um, We're talking three full open surgeries, uh, blood clots, uh, subclavicle, jugular, both sides, hematoma that pressed against my liver, possible pulmonary embolism, chest tube in my left lung, my right lung drained from pulmonary infiltrates twice. Um, You know, this physically, this journey took me to a point of um, medically, they can't explain why I'm here. Right. Spiritually, psychologically emotionally, right? Uh, There were those moments in time that it was easy for me to surrender. And then there were the times that it's like, oh, that can't be. (laughs) Not, no, not again, right? Not this now. And, And interestingly enough, and I think we talked about this book when we met first time too, but I had just finished The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews when this happened. And I would tell you that book so profoundly touched my life that even the way that I interacted subconsciously in the hospital with care teams was different. Hmm. And I still to this day go back and read that book multiple times of the year, right? It's just that that uh, phenomenal read and touch point reminder for me of back at the point in which that all occurred and um, coming to the place. And I remember driving shortly after this and there was this incredible incredible sunrise. All right. I've always been one that just my parents instilled in me the the love of nature and and, and at a young age. And I remember driving and I parked, right? Because I was so distracted by the sunrise that I was afraid I was going to get in an accident. 
And I parked and I sat there and I remember thinking, I give up, right? It's yours. I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done trying to figure it out. I'm done trying to master whatever this is. Take me where I'm supposed to go, right? Lead me because I, I, I don't know. And I have to be okay with that, right? Within my brokenness, I have to be okay with the vulnerability, with the gaps, with the recognition that I will never be enough. And in that, I am enough. Mm. What a powerful message. Can I, I want to ask you a, a tough question. Yeah. The tough question is, is do you think you could have gotten to where you are today without that experience? No. No way. Um, you know, the people who loved me loved me. The people who didn't, didn't. <laughs> and I would tell you, there are still those folks out there. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yep, I can. They're still out there for me, too. Yep, yep. Um, you know, my goal is hopefully I'm not making new ones every day, but I can't even <laughs> promise that, right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, um, even that, is what it is, right? We learn from people even if we don't have that immediate connection or even if we don't um, necessarily agree or um, come to the place where we can agree with that. But that's where we get into a couple of my favorite words, right? So that's where Genshai comes in, which is very powerful for me because at the very root, it's, it, its meaning is you never do something that makes another or yourself feel small. Right. So even in humility and even in surrender, right, that doesn't mean that we beat up on ourselves or on each other. Right. And then the other one for me, which unfortunately has kind of been, um, I think, misused in our society today is namaste. Right. Which at its very heart is the spirit of light in me acknowledges the spirit of light in you. And so that is my personal goal. Right. At the very least, when I sit down or when I have an interaction or when I see somebody, I want them to feel those things from me. Right. Even if I don't agree or even if I disagree at a at a very conceptual level, that's OK. Right. It Still, those two phrases are really, really important that I, that they can feel and they walk away. That reminds me of a. um I talk about my faith more and more, and this podcast is, has been a vehicle for that to happen. Two words that you just reminded me of in, in talking about this inner light and through this namaste is like radiance and brilliance, right? I love those two words. And I have to, I have to pray in a specific way. Um, and here's how those words start to come in. For me to diminish, for me to surrender, for me to take a back seat, to, to lay down my pride and my ego and, and for God to come through, basically what I'm saying is my prayer is this, God purge all of the grossness, all the, all the things that you detest from me. Like, and what I, what I literally am imagining as I'm praying those words is that I'm just being filled with God's holy presence, his spirit. Yeah. And I, I visualize that as light. It's like, let it just flush me from, from the inside out. And so then now once all the grossness gets out of me, 
what comes from me, I just try to visualize this would be the radiance and, and the brilliance of, of Jesus, right? Like, yes. this is who I want people to see me as. And I, you know, we're human. So, so it's an impossibility, but, but that is something that I, I, that's a way that I humble myself to him uh, and try to diminish because when I try to go at things all on my own, uh, it generally doesn't work out very good. Or when I get arrogant and I take credit for, hey, look at what I've achieved or, you know, this went really well. No, none of that happened without without divine intervention. That was a God thing. And so thanks for, for reminding me of, of that, because I don't know that I've ever publicly spoke about that. I probably haven't. I don't talk about that stuff a whole lot, but I, I, I did look up the beautiful oh, go ahead, way. Please. I think it's a beautiful way to visualize and to help others visualize what that experience is like. And I think there's there's a lot of strength in being able to come forward in that because, right, at you, to your point, as people, we're always going to fall short, yeah. right? That to, to believe that we're ever going to achieve a level of beauty beyond what we actually are, <laughs> right? It, it's not going to happen. But not, the, not on the side of heaven. Yeah, it doesn't mean we don't seek it, right? It right. doesn't mean we don't put forth that. It doesn't mean that we don't, again, show up, right? Show up and be willing to allow that presence to, to happen. I think it's a beautiful visualization. You reminded me of something that yeah. you also said that I think is so profound, which is to say, um, being humble and surrendering doesn't mean you beat yourself up. And one of the things that I do talk about on this podcast, I've talked about it multiple times, is that we need to step into our strengths, we need to step into the gifts because they aren't, whether you believe they came genetically or not, that is also true, but that's God inspired to me. That, that is, that is the thing that we were created. And so Alicia, you were given those strengths specifically, and you, you live at this time. There was, there was purpose to that. That's the thing that I get really excited about that. That just motivates me to no end. And so when, when we sit here and we think about to, to surrender. It doesn't mean to play small at all. In fact, what that should do is give you permission to play big and to be confident and to be bold, not in my abilities, but because, because I've been called to something bigger. And that just, when you said that, I didn't want that to, to like be just kind of, it was a quick phrase. And the way you said it, I was like, now we better come back and touch that a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Right. That, and again, you could look, that phrase of the strength finder that you talked about, right? That is it. Right? Yeah. You, I, the only reason that I can be bold, that I can be courageous is because it's impossible to fail when you're not serving yourself. Right. That's so true. That is so true. So here's, here's some of the lyrics from the steal my show by Toby Mac. It says, um, uh, so now the crowd is hyped that you showed up tonight, anticipating, craving something more than smoke and light. So I'll step out of the way. I'll give you set a stage. All right, spotlight, give them what they came for. And then the chorus is, if you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you've got something to say, go on and take it away. I need you to steal my show. I can't wait to watch you go. So take it away. No. Uh, how how is that factored into so when now you do go and give these presentations, yeah. whether it's for work or for your foundation or or wherever it might be in your teaching, yeah, how is it showing up for you that phrase? 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's even become broader for me in the even just the day to day. Right. I had initially found it and had acknowledged it in those bigger moments. But even some days. Right. Like so uh, June 27th is the day in which my son passed. Right. Eleven years ago. Right. That day is always going to be the day that the worst thing in my life happened. Sometimes in that brokenness, steal my show is just get me out of bed, right? Let me get up today. And my family, we celebrate my son by going to the zoo, right? I found that even after 11 years, I can't focus or concentrate. I'm not value add if I attempt to work or things like that. But it, it can be broader than that, depending upon the nature and the scope of what is happening. Anytime I find that I am feeling the weight, right, the weight of the world, whatever that may be at the time, that is when I have to acknowledge that I am carrying too much of that alone. And it is where I have to surrender. It is where I have to say that and allow myself to step back and to your point, right, that radiance and that brilliance to come forward. Um, when I do that in larger spaces, that's where I'll be thinking through the preparation, right, the acknowledgement. And many times when I do the story of my son and things like that, it's very emotional for me. The vulnerability that it takes for me to be able to do that is I, I basically have to relive everything that happened um, in order to be able to bring that forth in a way that's meaningful for the people that are present. And sometimes steal my show is help me be able to handle that as a, as a person. And then other times it's okay. I think I'm in a good state for that today, but let's make sure that we don't lose sight of the message that is here. Right. Because there's there's something bigger in that than just the story of my story or my son's story. There's something significantly bigger there. And I don't want people to lose that. And I know that's true because after I do these events, right, people come forward and they want to share similar experiences. They need that opportunity for connection and that recognition. Um, and the thing that I want to make sure that people bring to perspective is that there is no worse or better or right our our pain our brokenness is exactly what it is um so don't don't undersell that for yourself and acknowledge it and find out ways to continue to move into it um you know there's a song by blessing fior that's out right now called believe and if you listen to that, he talks about, right, what if there are things that you know that I don't? How do I still continue to move forward and live in life, right? How do I believe that those things are supposed to be present? And can I get past what I want from you as a person to acknowledge that there's something deeper there that I am intended for? And so... When you think steal my show, right, it's everything for me. It's the 
very basics of today is not a good day, right? Let me get up and show up, right? At the very basic level, let me get up and show up. And then there is the the other side of it that's I'm I've shown up, I'm here now. Do with this what we're supposed to do, right? I'm here. Use me in the way that I'm supposed to bring forth, whether that's intention, purpose, joy, right? However that's supposed to be, I'm good. I'm in it. So this brings up a question that I've been wanting to to just kind of explore with you a little bit, which is, okay, you had a near-death experience. Yeah. You you said that they cannot, the, the medical professionals uh, were can't tell you why you survived that, right? Yep. You, you went through the tragedy of losing a child. Yeah. How how does somebody and, and what advice do you give to people who who are going through things like that? So so that right, it's it's one thing to honor and recognize that journey, but it's another thing to get stuck in. I don't, I don't know if I want to say self pity or what, I don't know what the right words are. You, you need to help me with those words. Okay. But, but how do you, how do you not get stuck and yet at the same time honor that? Yeah. Um, this is going to sound very odd, but I'm going to take you there anyway. So bear with me for just a second. Um, strangest phrase you may hear me say today, one of the best funerals I ever attended, (laughs) um, was given by a Baptist minister. And what he talked about in that funeral was, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He paused there because we're all very familiar with that scripture, right? He paused and he said, I want to point out the fact that we walk through it. It doesn't say that we set up a tent. We don't build a house. We don't hang out there, right? We don't bathe in it. It says we walk through it, which means we get to the other side. Right now, in the midst of what we're talking about, the pain of going through the personal experience of right to the edge of death, as hard as that was for me in that moment, and the things that I took from that, the the learning, right, the life lessons that I took from that will forever stay with me. That was difficult at a level that allowed me to grow and develop as a person. The loss of my son, I would tell you I was the best version of myself when I was with him. I learned from him things that he had figured out at two that I struggle with at 45, right? Instantaneous forgiveness, right? He had a port so that they could access him for, for meds and fluids and things. And he hated it when people would mess with that. But as soon as they were done, they were his best friend again, right? Watching that in him, right? The light that he brought forth, you know, and I even had written at the time uh, for a newspaper um, that I truly believe there are people in this world that their light is so bright that it dims heaven slightly. Ooh, and they have to go back before the rest of us are ready for them to because they just can't stay and that right that brokenness that pain that'll never go away right 
And I, I am grateful that Trip is a twin because James, I don't know what would have happened for me if I wouldn't have had my son that I had to show up for, right? I didn't get to Waller. I didn't get to give up. I had to get up. I had to show up. He was two, right? They were twins. And he turned three a month later. So we ought to almost three years with my son, Trip. But thankfully, right? And if you think about this in terms of divine intervention, right? I truly believe that the Lord knew that in order for this to be something that I could get through, I had to have Rowdy, right? In his own uniqueness and his own boldness and his own, right? I had, he needed to be there. And in a lot of ways, he saved me. And so I wasn't willing to let him suffer because of my pain. I wasn't willing to not acknowledge that. And in one of the fun things, if there's fun in this, him being that age, almost forced my husband and I to grieve like a child because hmm. we we couldn't grieve like adults. We needed to be there for him. So that grief was, think about like a faucet, right? And you turn it on and then you turn it off and you turn it on and turn it off. That's how children usually grieve. It's not all at once, right? As adults, we can turn the faucet on and then we forget and we don't turn it off. And that's sure. exactly what you're asking about, Right. We couldn't do that. We couldn't break the handle off. We, we had to turn it on and turn it off just like he did. And I would allow ourselves to feel it at different moments and in different ways and then turn it back off because he needed us to show up and he needed us to be there. And, and I would tell you 11 years later, I'm still doing the same thing, right? I'm still doing it. Every time I get the opportunity to talk about it, every time I get in front of people and demonstrate that vulnerability and refeel all of that, right? That's turning that tap on and then turning it back off and living within it, but not letting it overcome to the point of dysfunction or um, crippling or paralyzation. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I, that might be one of the most eloquent explanations and uh, directions that I've, I've ever heard on that. That's just absolutely beautiful. But, but it was your sacrifice for, I, I'm going to have to diminish at times here for my son, you know, for Rowdy, which I love that name, by the way. We were talking <laughs> about that before we hit record. What a cool we name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, and, and I had forgotten, you had told me, you know, months ago that they were twins. I had I literally had forgotten that. So. Yeah. Alicia, what what are you doing now? So the company that you work for is called MD Orthopedics, and it, it was founded um, on the principle of helping children. Could you just describe what that condition is, a little bit about what you do at the company? And as you do that, just kind of tie in the Steal My Show piece yeah. to that, because I, I know it's there. I will do my very best to explain what we do. Yeah. I am still very new, right? And so um, I will do my best to give it justice. But um, I will tell you, I am in no way, shape, or form would I classify myself as a subject matter expert, um, lifelong learner, and loving every minute. And so let's make sure that that caveat is <laughs> <Sure. laughs> <I'm> here, okay? <laughs> 
Um, so clubfoot essentially is a diagnosis where children are born with their feet instead of being flat, they like turn in, um, but they can rotate inward and also rotate over. And so in its worst, right. And in, in the children who suffer from it in the kind of the worst case scenario, it almost is like they're walking on the tops of their feet. Mm. Right. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Ponsetti from University of Iowa way back in the day created a non-surgical method of casting where they would manipulate uh, the bones in the foot and then use that and then cast the feet in specific ways over a period of time to realign the feet, right? Now, children are very pliable, kind of like Gumby, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's an opportunity in being able to leverage that when they're really little um, to be able to help realign the feet. Now, what they found is that if that's where it ended, they would uh, have reoccurrence, right? It would come back if they didn't do something. So um, our our friends, John Mitchell and his family, uh, who now Luke is in charge of the company and just super great to work with, um, they created with Ponsetti these boots and a bar that braces between them so that they could set the feet at the point in which the physicians um, kind of authorize, right, or prescribe, so that they can continue to make sure that the maintenance of what happened during the casting continues um, for the children. Now, you know, there's there's a way in which they determine the how long they wear them and um, over a period of time, but a lot of times the kids will wear them after the last casting until around the age of five or even a little older sometimes. At the very basics, when I think about this company, right, it's built on tradition, it's built on love, and it's built on the dynamic of helping children have the most fundamental freedom that we take for granted, right? And, and that was something I could get on board with. That was something I was really, really excited about working with. And then um, I met Nate, who is the leader that I work with, and um, his passion behind what he, what they do and the dynamic of where this company is going with our new partners with Orthopediatrics and the just the overall value of maintaining tradition, but the opportunity of what the future holds and the ability that this organization has to continue to change the lives of children all over the world, right? How, how does anyone ever walk away from that? <laughs> I was like, yep, where do I sign? Let's go, right? <laughs> Tee it up. Let's light it on fire. I'm ready. Let's, let's wrap this up today. Um, let's, I, I would like to turn it back to you and just talk about uh, how can people find you, connect with you? Maybe they want to share a story about something that that they've endured in their life whether it's you know the experience that you had with trip or whether it's the experience that you had you know as a patient and uh, that vulnerability that you have with oh my gosh am i going to make it through this uh plug the foundation um things like that so so what are those ways that people can get in touch with you yeah so our uh let's start with trip foundation so if you go to trip tripfoundation.net, T-R-I-P-P, tripfoundation.net. Um, otherwise, we are on Facebook, and we have a group there. And then we also do a couple of uh, annual fundraisers because we are completely donor 
and uh, grant funded. So, and our board of directors, we actually are a complete volunteer army. None, we have no paid employees. Our business model will maintain that we have no paid employees because we want the resources uh, to go back to the services of the care of the families and kids. So you can find us at TRIPP-Foundation at uh, Facebook, or you can find us online. Uh, Personally, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, I do monitor that regularly and uh, enjoy getting a hold of that. Um, That is, I would say that's probably the best way for for people to get a hold of me there. Very good. Yeah. I'll put all obviously all those things in the in the show notes too. So yeah. a, any any closing any closing thoughts, remarks, ideas that you want to share today? You know, I again I just want to thank you, James. It's been so much fun working with you. Uh I, I hope we get the opportunity to continue to work together in the future because I just really enjoy hanging out with you. Oh man, likewise. I, I again it was it was like I said in the opening, when when you and I first connected. I'm looking, I, I give this picture of who you are through your strengths. I'm like, well, you know, this is going to be potentially a pretty interesting conversation. And then you kind of shocked me and surprised me because I just loved your, again, the energy, your passion and, and all those things. So absolutely. I, 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 whether we continue to work together or not in an official capacity, we'll stay connected. And uh, I, I want to thank you for being a, a guest today. So should uh, we take so, them out with one Bible scripture here? Please. That yeah. All right. Fantastic. So. I I do a daily devotional, and this was my daily devotional yesterday. So James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's awesome. The book of James is succinct. It's it's very short, and it's very, uh, there's there's not a lot of gray area in that particular book. (laughs) So, well... Thanks, Alicia. Uh, and I want to thank all of you for, for listening today. I, I, I hope that, um, you learned something new and, and gained valuable perspective through Alicia's, um, stories. It's been wonderful. So, uh, if you're finding value in this podcast, would you just take two seconds and subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a review. It just helps us get in front of more people. As you know, I hate asking for that, but it's, it's just a good reminder to do. Uh, I'm James and I am passionate about giving companies a competitive edge that just can't be matched by ensuring that they have amazing people doing exceptional work in the most important areas. I look forward to seeing you again next week. 